Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mercy is the mark of a great man. Oh. Oh. Guess I'm just a good man. Oh. Well, I'm all right. You are not Captain Kirk. You do not belong in charge of the Enterprise and I shall do everything in my power against you. You know what the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with till you understand who's in command here. Frequently appalled by the low regard you Earthmen have for life. exciting edition of SFP now and um, with me to go over a little bit of news here today is uh, Ty Bedone um, and our interview today is with Ethan Flower um, who's going to be talking about a new movie which is due out in November it's an independent movie um, titled Dragon Day which is basically about um, a cyber attack on the United States um, oh. so he, he's going to be talking about that later on and he also talks about um, you know his time working with Kevin Smith in the movie Malrats as well so that's a pretty cool interview we got coming up later on um, but first let me welcome Ty uh, who's going to go over some some of the news with us and uh, you know figures in on, on, on his weekend because he was at Philadelphia uh, at weekend uh, the city of brotherly love and now last week in news Thank you for having me, sir. Always a pleasure to be on the show. You're welcome. Hey, Adrian! Adrian! <laughs> so that's my very bad Rocky impression. <laughs> <laughs> it's Adrian! It's like that. Adrian! That's better. <laughs> that's, that's better. <laughs> yes, I, I posed near the Rocky statue. I ran up the steps of the museum. I did I did do all that, I will admit it. <laughs> okay. You ran up the steps of the museum. You ran up those steps. Um, maybe more like half of the steps. <laughs> I had an ice cream in one hand, so, you know, I did my best. But <laughs> you know, more like, keeping all like, one, two. <laughs> Yeah, we we uh, we edited out those parts. <laughs> <laughs> Rudyo, these steps are hard work. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a, it actually, you know, any any listeners, I got to tell you, uh, uh, Philadelphia is an absolute beautiful, beautiful town. We, I mean, it was an amazing weekend to walk around. Uh, uh, history there is, I mean, it's every which way you look. 
and uh, me, maybe not so not not so much great history, you know, for the English visitors, <laughs> but for us Americans, really the birthplace of our country. Uh, great food, great people. Just, I, I, it was an amazing weekend. Anybody who hasn't gone really needs to go. Um, and I, I absolutely had a wonderful time. And I was there for uh, a guy named Dal Whitaker, a guy I went to law school with. His his wedding. He's a big sci-fi fan. So, uh, shout out to Val and his lovely bride Emily, who are on their way to Thailand now. So, cool. so it wasn't a sci-fi event, it was a wedding. Um, sci-fi at the wedding. You know, I did tell folks about sci-fi post, but other than that, not too much sci-fi at the wedding. But a lot of uh, uh, drinking, though, and we see that throughout sci-fi, do we not? And yeah, dancing, well, likewise. Know, basically, uh, what you guys call drinking in the States is kind of tame in comparison to what we call drinking here. What we call drinking <laughs> here is like a real sci-fi experience, man. <laughs> I see. Things happen here in the UK when when you go out drinking. You know, um, uh, you know, you just got to watch that new Simon Pegg movie, and that is a that is a typical night out. Oh in right, the UK. right. The uh, end of the world, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, that's 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 a typical night out on um, doing a bit of binge drinking here in the UK. You know, that that shit happens uh, all the time here. Intergalactic and, conspiracies become apparent. Uh, the drunker you are, is that it? That, that's exactly it. You know. And um, you know, if you if you well, if we you, need to hang out. If you get I drunk, need to go get drunk with you. <laughs> if you get drunk and put sunglasses on, everyone looks like skeletons, man. <laughs> oh, they look like they live, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's it. You know, but, but they they look like they live, but they kind of look like the Walking Dead, dude. Right, right, I got you. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that news. only happens here uh, when you get drunk and put on glasses in Pittsburgh. That only happens like that in the states in Pittsburgh, yeah. Okay, well, news. This will be coming towards uh, its close. Just got 11 days to go as of, this, as of Monday while we're recording this. Uh, by Friday, it probably only about four, maybe five days left. But there's, you know, Jamie Anderson, the uh, son of Jerry Anderson. We actually reported right. on this a few weeks back. Uh, we also interviewed Jamie um, on last week's podcast. But he's got a he, he's got a Kickstarter campaign going for um, for, for for a book series. But his father started working on in 2008, but he didn't get to finish uh, before he died because, um, right. you know, because basically the Alzheimer's, um, you know, prevented him from being able to sort of like remember where he was and, you know, and, and stuff like that. So what's happening is right. Jamie Anderson, his son, um, has got together with um, a, a writer friend of his um, and they started a Kickstarter campaign. Um, which at the moment it's um, on £19,659. Uh, they're looking to raise £24,350. And what it's for is, is to finish, um, is to actually, you know, re, you know, finish Jerry Anderson's book, uh, which was called Gemini Force One. And cool. basically it's, um, it's kind of like a modern version of Thunderbirds. Um, uh-huh. about this uh, team called Gemini Force One who do daring rescues and there's lots of explosions and stuff like that. But it was going to be in a book series. And the reason they've gone with it on Kickstarter is because when they take it, took it to the publishers, the publishers say, kept saying, well, you know, um, is this for kids? And, you know, right. they go, no, it's for, it's for kids and the younger heart. And basically, the publishers were trying to get them, nail them down to one particular demographic. Um, 
and uh. basically demographic being something like six to eleven year olds. Um, they just didn't get the concept of um, of of a, of a book that could that that was geared towards you know kids and adults as well, as in you know yeah. for, for kids and for, for adults, you know, and that for young-hearted ad- adults, the publishers just didn't get that. So subsequently, uh, Jamie um, hooked up with this writer friend of his. I think she's called H.G. Harris. I'm not sure if that's her name. Um, and they, they've got together and they've launched this Kickstarter campaign to get the book series out there and to uh, publish the book in a way that Jerry Anderson would have wanted it to be published, you know, to oh, be right. aimed at the audience that Jerry Anderson wanted to aim it at and, and not... Uh, not not just a book that was exclusive to you know six to eleven year olds, but a book that 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 everyone could get into if they were into a action adventure, you know. So that sounds awesome. I I I hope it sounds like they're almost getting there too, huh? That's not a, they're the, almost to their uh, to their desired uh, Kickstarter amount. They're, they're not far off it, but here's a good bit: yeah. if they if they can if they they can make over their Kickstarter amount and and um, reach some of their stretch goals, um, they're they're also looking at it as a possible TV series. Oh wow! Um, you know whether whether it be marionettes or CGI, I don't know, but they're they're kind of they're, they're kind of wanting to try and you know have it as um, a Jerry Anderson TV series, because this is basically Jerry Anderson's last work. Um, right, right, right. There's apparently other projects in, 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 the, in, in development as well, but it's kind of like, it's kind of important to, to Jamie Anderson, and, and, and also, you know, Jerry Anderson fans in general, that this campaign succeeds, because if it, if it doesn't succeed, it's all like, it's, it, it, it just feels like a bad mark against, um, you know, Jerry Anderson fandom sort of thing. But I've I got a feeling it's going to succeed. We're on 19,659 already. There's 11 days left to go, so, you know. Yeah, best of luck. That sounds awesome. I hope, uh, I'm sure you're going to keep us and, uh, and, and, and all our uh, listeners and readers uh, up, uh, abreast and uh, up to date on that. That's not, we, we really need to stay on top of that and follow up and let everyone know how that turns out. Well, yeah, we'll do. Um, I actually pledged to it uh, last week um, from Sci-Fi Pulse. Um, I basically donated uh, £25. Wow. Which awesome. Was, which was basically um, all we made in advertising for the last two months. <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean that like all the little ships are going to have a little sci-fi pulse uh, on the side of them as they fly by? That's great. God, I wish. <laughs> 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 you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't pay enough money for that sort of exposure. <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, maybe on their jackets, on the sleeves somewhere, it'll say "Sci-Fi Balls." Yeah, and and they could have a big logo on the back saying "SFP Now." Yes, exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. And, and, I love and, it. That was great. That was a great, uh, great marketing contract you put together there, Ian. Well done. Do more. And, and genre tainment written down the arm of one uh, arm of the shirt. <laughs> as well but for Matt's his job <laughs> no but it does sound exciting I, I mean uh, you know uh, imagine if another show could of uh, uh, you know it was in the same vein you came to the popularity that Thunderbirds had I mean I'm sure that would be a great testament uh, you know to the creator and his family it, it would and you know I'm hoping that they they reached their stretch goal so you know hopefully we can eventually see the TV, see, see TV series uh, based on it that would be wonderful 
Hey, that's what dreams are made of. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, another news story is basically uh, Once Upon a Time is coming back on ABC, which is basically more oh, fantasy. Wow. Um, it's more fantasy driven than it is science fiction driven. But yeah, yeah. Um, just yeah. Thought, to me- thought I'd mention it because um, TV Guide um, posted um, posted the first pictures of Ariel this week. Um, Ariel, oh. as in the Little Mermaid, Ariel. Right. And basically, um, an actress by the name of Joanne Garcia Swisher is uh, playing the um, playing the role. And and what's what's been happening with Once Upon a Time is initially it was just fairy tales, yeah, as in it was characters right. from fairy tales. But over the last couple of seasons, they've actually added Robin Hood and um, Frankenstein and various other characters to 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 the boiling pot. And and Ariel's one of them that's that's coming into it this year. Another one that's coming into it this year is Peter Pan, um, who in this, in, who in the Once Upon a Time universe is actually a bad guy. Oh, okay. And, and, and Captain Hook's coming into it. I mean, I I've not been, you know, I've not really been watching it because I'm not really that into it. But um, a friend of mine really is. And she she she's going nuts about it because of the amount of uh, you know the amount of new 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 twists on old themes that that right. are going on with it. But I just got to say, Joanna Garcia uh, Swisher, she's sort of like uh, got a little picture of her coming out of the um, you know coming out of the water, as it were, you know, coming to shore. And apparently, sure. you know, apparently says that she's going to be playing um, quite an integral uh, integral part in in this season um, of the show. Um, awesome. This is what I, this is what they have to say about it. Once we realised we were going to uh, Neverland, it felt like the perfect place to see Ariel. Says executive producer Edward Ka- Edward Kitsis. Uh, fans of the animated movie, which first brought forth Ariel, can look forward to some playful nods, such as a gag with a fork that nods to the clumsy dinner scene. Says executive producer Adam Harowitz. Um, as for speculation that Nana Perella's evil queen will transform into Ariel's eight-legged nemesis, uh, Kitsis hints, in a world where our crocodile turns out to be Rumpelstiltskin, you never know what might happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. Um, so that's a, that's a bit of a coup, coup, coup one for once upon a time. Right. Um, another thing that's... Um, another thing that, 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 that I've um, also uh, found is... Um, uh, did you watch True Blood? You know, I did not. Uh, I did not get a chance to watch True Blood. No, I can't speak to it. Horrible for a show host to say that, but no. Oh dear, well, you know, something like um, True, you know, Spartacus, Blood and Sand, the Spartacus shows are actually better, but True Blood, if you're looking for a bit of nudity and a bit of bit, bit of a bit of a nudity set fits over the summer, that's True Blood's kind of like your go-to show, but there's more of it in Spartacus. Well, Spartacus was pretty good with nudity as well, my friend. Actually, Sp- Spartacus was actually better than True Blood with, with it, it took it a lot further. I mean, I used to enjoy watching that show, uh, apart from the guts and the blood and the fighting. Oh, I, I, I love the fighting and the blood and the guts. So far, I was cool as well. You know, I liked all of it. But I, I just loved the way that they changed the English language and, they, you know, in, in, when they're saying thank you, it was gratitude. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love it. I love it as well. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It was so stiff and formal, of- you know. Um, but basically, um, True Blood's um, cancelled. Um, as in, this next season that's going to be on during during next summer is the final season. And what, what's come out today is Carrie Preston, who plays uh, plays one of the main characters in the show. Um, she plays Arlene Fowler. Um, has ba- basically said that the cast had, had suspected that it was going to be the last season of the show. Mm. 
um, Hong Kong, and they're saying that they intend to uh, give it everything they've got this year. So. Well, they got to bring out all the big guns if it's uh, if the show's ending. Yeah, you know, so like, um, I, I just think, I just think what they mean by that is, uh, is the last ten episodes is just gonna be full on sets and nudity. Oh, baby! Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's, 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 when in doubt. You know, full-on sex and nudity is the way to go. Actually, if you want to go that way in True Blood, the best season to watch is the second season. Uh-huh. Um, I, yeah, I, I wanted to watch it, but it didn't happen. But that, there we go. Um, another bit of news is, um, do you remember last week? Um, well, was, I'm not sure if it was last week or the week before, but there was a, there was a big story um, um, the, a couple of weeks ago where... Um, where Roland Emmerich, who directed the original 1984 movie of Stargate, um, was looking at producing a new trilogy which would reboot the movie right. franchise. But, you know, right. well, apparently not everyone's too thrilled with this idea. I mean, I, for one, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a movie trilogy, but um, I, I prefer the TV shows. And apparently Joseph Malozzi, who wrote, who was one of the writers on the TV shows, um, but basically, um, you know, expressed his thoughts on it, and um, this is this way. This way, I had to say, um, basically, he prefers the TV series angle. He says, "My gut instinct tells me the studio would love to follow the Star Star Trek model, take an established property, reimagine it for the big screen, and make hundreds of millions of dollars." Um, Mangazi, a writer and executive producer on Stargate SG One, Stargate Atlantis, and Stargate Universe, uh, wrote in a recent blog entry. Um, if the studio does consider doing going down this route, careful consideration will present two indisputable facts. A. Stargate is not Star Trek, and B. Alienating long-time fans in favour of a new audience could prove disastrous. Malozzi feels that a new television series would be the best way to go, and suggests a fresh take on Stargate that would bring in new viewers while rewarding the long-term, the long-term fans. While the original movie was successful, it was the television franchise that proved an incredibly lucrative earner for for, for MGM. He concluded. Yeah, I mean, I can I can see the rationale behind that, but uh, by gosh, how many TV series? Right, we had Stargate SG One. We had there was what two more, two more. There were three altogether, correct? Yeah, there was Stargate SG One. Then there was Atlantis, and then there was Universe. Um, I didn't right, like Universe. Right. I found Universe quite. And there was dull. a cartoon series as well, as I recall, that was short-lived. Yeah. I think so, it was. oh, and then there were movies like. Now, I did like the idea of them. Like, uh, you know, there were some made for 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 DVD movies that they did. Yeah, that they were pretty you good. Know? One of them tied up the storing line with the R.I., which was basically the storing line that left that 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 Stargate finished on. And and the other one was a was was a separate story, but um, I enjoy I enjoyed the movies, but you know, so like um, and and I enjoyed that Stargate SG One universe, but I think to be honest, it ran ten seasons, and I think by the time it got to you know ten seasons, it was getting a bit tired. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, a new TV show or or reimagined thing, sometimes reimagined work, you know, goes over quite well, so. You know, I, I can, you know, some people thinking, let's not, you know, mess with, let's not reinvent the Stargate wheel, as it were. But by the same token, what if somebody, you know, really creative was to come along and, and give it a really great spin? I mean, it, it might, by the same token, it might be the, a very good new breath for, um, for the franchise. So, I mean, it's either that or a little more of the same so what are you going to go with I don't know that's not an easy decision to make 
Everyone always, you know, uh, uh, complains when, when you know, there's something new. But then, you know, Star Trek, yeah, people may say whatever they, they say about it, but the new movie, not the last one, but the one before that, even though I did like the last one, um, you know, I mean, it did great, uh, you know, uh, so, and, and uh, likewise, what they're saying about Ben Affleck and what have you. So, I mean, again, let's be honest, when the suits decide what they're going to do, that's what they're going to do. So, you know, I think it's great news to say that the writer thinks it should stay this way or that, but he's not the decision maker, you know, and uh, I think they're going to, business comes first. Let's, let's, you know, I think that's my, my take is what's going to happen is whatever they think is going to make them money. And if that's a new spin on Stargate for a movie, they're going to, depends on the suits over at MGM, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think one main reason Stargate, you know, kind of wound up in, in, uh, in stasis was, um, Kind of, you know, M MGM were in financial trouble, weren't they, a few years ago, so they bailed out. And, it, you know, it, I think it kind of put a stop to the Stargate TV series um, and um, anything coming after a universe. Uh, although Universe was kind of like a ratings failure for them, so that probably turned them off the idea. But, you you know, it also held up the Bond movie as well. So, um, I, you know, I think, to be honest, Stargate needs new blood. Yeah, I think maybe it does. You know, it needs, I mean, no. I mean Ro Roland Emmerich in exactly new blood because he directed the first film, but by the same token, he, he only did the one film, you know? Yeah. So yeah. he, he, he I don't know. I might I might vote for give me a new movie, you know. But then again, I'll, I'll be honest. I wasn't the biggest SG one fan. I mean, I would enjoy it from time to time, and and I, I did plenty of cartoons about it. And you know, I think it it has its place and uh, has uh, a, a huge legion of fans. And I'm not, and I don't want to say that I didn't that it wasn't good, but. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan, and uh, maybe something new, although I loved the movie. I thought the movie was absolutely amazing, you know, um, and uh, I, went to, I went to high school with Alexis Cruz, although I didn't know him really back then, but, you know, we were there at the same time. But I thought it was a great, a great movie. I'd love another great movie. That would be awesome, you know? So maybe it's okay. Yeah. What if the movie was so good that they gave us a new TV series after that, you know? So maybe it's a good thing. I mean, that's, that's actually quite possible. I mean, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, it's already proved that there's, that there's a lot of storytelling potential. You've had Stargate yeah. SG-1, Stargate Atlantis, and Stargate Universe. So if they were to reboot that, uh, if they were to reboot it in a movie trilogy, which is what Emmerich's talking about, who's to say that we can't have a couple of spin-off TV series um, if, the, yeah. if those movies are successful, like you say? Um, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, I like the series. You know, I, I loved Stargate, U, Stargate uh, SG-1, uh, but the first seven years of SG-1 for me were the strongest. It started to go a bit, you know, this, the storytelling and whatnot became a little bit inconsistent um, when when Ben Browder came on, and that was nothing to do with Ben Browder. He, he did a great job, but you know, he he, he was just no substitute for for for, um, for, for the uh, lead actor. He was no substitute really for Richard yeah. Dean. No, but he did have a he did have a, a, a very huge following, uh, you know, coming off the heels of uh, Farscape. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, you know, I I, I think that uh, you know Ben Browder was a was a good pick, 
But, uh, you know, he, no, he wasn't, uh, he, he wasn't, uh, you know, the other guy. But, <laughs> but that said, you know, um, when I look at it, um, Stargate SG-1 and, you know, as far as the other guy is concerned, Richard Dean Anderson, I actually prefer him as MacGyver than I do as, 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 uh, as, as Colonel Jack O'Neill. Yeah, I like. I, I mean, I like them. Don't get me wrong, you know. But uh, MacGyver, yeah, I love MacGyver. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I liked him better in Roman MacGyver. You know, I, you know, that's just, that's the show I want to see come back. I mean, they're talking about doing. They've been talking about doing a, a movie of that for a while. Yeah, I thought I heard that. I thought I heard that. Well, it's been it's been in um, it's been in development for quite a while. Um, you know, the guy that created MacGyver was involved with it, and it's. Um, it's it's um, being done by the daughter of uh, Dino Dingarentes. Oh wow! Um, so it's um, he's he's got quite 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 um, quite some quite big names behind it, but it, it just doesn't seem to have been any. Uh, yeah, yeah, I haven't movement, heard anything about it. Very much movement on it. I mean, it's like another thing that's been in development for years, and it's sort of like it's changed. It's changed. Um, it's changed producers and production companies so many times over the years. Is a nightmare. Is a Night Rider movie, which kind of got stalled yep, when they did right. that Night Rider series um, a couple of years back, and, and now plans are back on to do it. So you know, it's, um, yeah, it wasn't very good. Oh, the, the, the Night Rider series. Um, it was kind of cheesy, but you know, um, I, I just thought that Asian chick in it, or, or maybe you know, was she Asian? I'm not the, the, the computer hacker. That was really irritating. <laughs> uh, I thought she was. Yeah, I, 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 I gave it a try, as I recall, but it it uh, it didn't really didn't really tickle me. It is what it is. It got better. It got better as soon as it got rid of the whole whole bloody um, you know government thing. Um, but when when it started getting better was basically when it got cancelled. <laughs> Just <laughs> I mean, in time, you know. So like it, 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 it was almost like they 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 listened to what the fan base was saying, but they were too late to react to it. And um, and by by that time, the studio pretty much said well, enough's enough. Yeah, you know. But, but well, good about the endeavor. I'd love to see. I'd lo- I wouldn't mind seeing. To be quite honest with you, uh, especially if it's going to be a good you know movie and or and or trilogy. And and if so, I would welcome a new TV series. You know, because it might be tremendous. Yeah, I mean. There's really just no way of knowing, you know. There, there isn't. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm sort of like kind of, um, you know, what I want to see on television. Um, I want to see more space operas. You know? As do I. Um, as do I. As do I. I don't want to see dark space operas. I want, I want to see space operas that are a little bit more fun. As in, you know, I don't mind. Yeah, I just want to see good. Uh, uh, Good space opera is what I'd like to see. You know, really good space opera. So you know, we'll see. Uh, there is no. I mean, Galactica was great. You know, let's uh, let, let, let's hope that the, another will come soon. I'm sure there'll be another. But yeah, but I want when. I want something to come along that's so like got a balance between you know serious storytelling and and uh, and, and drama, but with with a, with a bit more humor to it. Because for me, the uh, the, the the reimagined Battlestar Galactica was just way way too. Dark. I actually kept a gun in my top drawer um, for the end of each episode. Because uh, at, by the end of each episode, I was contemplating eating a bunny. So I had to put Big Bang Theory on to stop me from doing that. <laughs> 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 That's how dark that show was. <laughs> it was. It, 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 no, it was. 
but but it was good, you know. So I'd love another. Yeah, but I don't, I don't want another that's dark, and I, I want something that's <laughs> that's got a, you know that's got a balance between you know between um, a bit of drama and a bit of humour. Um, so something something along the lines of the original Battlestar Galactica, but kind of updated, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, you know if a show could strike that balance, that would be great. But uh, you know, uh, good drama and uh, starfighters, listen, just ain't that easy to come by. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, so like. Um, I want a space opera, and I want another, you know, Sequest DSV. You know, it got panned to death at the time it came out because, you you know, he was up against Star Trek, and most people, myself included, were watching Star Trek um, as opposed to Sequest DSV, but Sequest DSV was pretty good for its first maybe season and a half, and it went a little bit weird. It went off the deep end, sorry. <laughs> so I... Yeah. I'd love to see another sh- another show where you know we're explore we're exploring the oceans, you know, and, and having that, that was that was good. I I I, I, I had a really beautiful one, you know, end of the world, zombie apocalypse, or you know. Uh, you have to live on a nuclear submarine. Hey, where else is going to be safe? <laughs> so maybe that's a good, uh, <laughs> is a good one. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, I did a, I did a piece on it, um, on, uh, on, 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 the world is, the world is over. Okay. It's all about the guy who finds himself on a nuclear submarine after the zombie apocalypse. You know, so I mean, where else would you be safe? You know, I like World War Z uh, because, you know, they're, they're out on the on, on a little mini aircraft carrier in the Atlantic Ocean. That makes sense to me. You know, there'd be a fleet of vessels surviving out there. That makes perfect sense to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, that's about um, all, all the news I got for this week. Do you have anything? Um, Gil Gerard is uh, going to be over at NASA in Johnson, Johnson Center in Houston to... Uh, to witness uh, the the launch of uh, a Soyuz capsule taking up one American and two Russian cosmonauts. That's kind of fun. Captain William Buck Rogers, uh, kind of along for the ride as uh, some astronauts go up into space to the International Space Station. Um, But but that's more, you know, uh, just, you know, uh, sci-fi general interest than than sci-fi news. Yeah, it's kind of fun angle, though. You know, just gonna have to, we're just going to have to sort of like make sure he doesn't spend too much time on board that shuttle. Uh, on, on, uh, spend too much time on what? On board the shuttle. Yes, that's right. Let's, let's get to the heart of the matter. <laughs> so we'll get up there and uh, let something happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, other than that, um, uh, cosplay stuff, uh, you know, little kid who... Uh, who sees Spider-Man on his back porch and uh, on the back fence and, and he goes out there to meet Spidey and Spidey turns out to be his dad coming home from Afghanistan and, and then some cosplayers going to visit sick kids. You know, I have a, a soft place in my heart for, for cosplay. I think uh, that those are the real heroes of cosplay. And I've said that a few times and I wrote an article about, you know, that show Heroes of Cosplay. I don't like it at all. That is not what cosplay is about. Those are not the heroes of cosplay. <clears throat> but real cosplayers who, who go out and, and go to charity events and mm-hmm. give up their free time and, and visit kids at the hospitals, those folks, those are the real heroes of cosplay. So whenever I can, I like to cover those angles. And then um, uh, a local South Central Florida, a great comic shop called Coliseum of Comics, showing support for uh, legendary and iconic creator George Perez put on eye patches because he's having vision problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I thought that was, I, I thought that was, you know, fun. And I, I really like to um, to shine a spotlight on everyday, uh, uh, you know, heroes and 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 some of the things that are kind of involve all of us. 
But uh, but no, that's 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 really it. I have, didn't have too much other uh, pressing uh, and important sci-fi news. Cool. Well, it's uh, it's great that you joined us this week, and um, you know. Um, As always, thank you for having me, my friend. And be, you know, be, best of luck with um, with 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 all these uh, the, these people that you have to shoot this week. Uh, well, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> well, well, you, you, you're a nego- you're a negotiator, right? Yeah. Well, you know, so like, um, I, I as a negotiator, I take um, I take the approach of the hostile take takeover, which basically means shoot <laughs> everyone in sight and take over. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Hostile negotiations. I remember Star Wars mm-hmm. negotiations with a lightsaber. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I have a lightsaber handy at all times. Um, you know, look, uh, what what you get up into in the um, in in your private life is really no 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 fair <laughs> mind, dude. You know so. <laughs> Nonetheless, I'll keep you and everyone close. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dude. Well, it's been it's been great having you on again, and we'll have you on again in thanks, a couple dude. of weeks. Um, I look so, forward to my friend. So, fa- thanks for being on. And now it's time for um, our interview with no, Ethan no, no, no. Fnauer. America has absolutely no intention of repaying China <laughs> that one trillion dollars. Still your money. You just can't have it right now. At approximately six thirteen p.m., a determined and coordinated attack. Well, I'd like to welcome um, actor Ethan Flower to the show. How are you doing, Ethan? I'm great, man. How are you? I- I'm I'm great. I mean, you know, you've got not you've got quite a bit of a uh, new stuff coming out. So, um, you know, my my idea is to sort of like maybe talk a little bit about your career so far, and we'll we'll, we'll then go on to uh, talking about your new film, uh, Dragon Day, which sounds like it's a really interesting movie. Okay, uh, yeah, that sounds terrific. Yeah, Dragon Day is a, a lot of fun. It's a great new project that's uh, coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing I'd like to ask you, um, really, I kind of ask this uh, pretty much every actor that I speak to, and that is, how did you actually get into uh, acting was it something you always wanted to do or or did you fall into it by by something else um well i guess i would say it's something that i always wanted to do um but the always started when i was about 11 years old so before that i i don't think i wanted to do it or i didn't know that i wanted to do it uh i, I did a play well, I, oh, I got invited to do a play at uh, our local professional theater in massachusetts and uh, it was i was 11 years old and it was a play called uh, the rose tattoo with uh, it was starring Cicely Tyson. Uh, she was recently in The Help, um, uh, but she's quite a well-known uh, older actress. And also Hector Elizondo, who's uh, quite a well-known Latin actor. And, uh, you know, I just sort of ran across the stage and, I don't know, screamed a couple of lines, but uh, I got caught by the bug, and it was just uh, such a wonderful feeling to be up on stage and um, have all this attention, you know, <laughs> all these people looking at me and wondering what I was going to do next, and then the joy of uh, going downstairs or backstage afterwards and, and spending time with these, these actors who were so interesting, they were such interesting, full and vibrant people, and Hector used to play guitar and sing to me in the dressing room, and I felt like this was my second family, um, so it was just such a beautiful experience to spend time with them that I, I basically thought, wow, if I could, if I could do this, uh, you know, my whole life and meet different families and make so many new and interesting friends and then get to perform on stage uh, and have all these people wonder what I'm doing, uh, then I think there's something there. So I just kept doing it. I just kept doing play after play and then 
Uh, I started going to school and learning theater in, in different schools and colleges, and then eventually theater in London, professional theater, and then uh, ended up doing TV and film. Cool. So you, you actually did a bit of theater in London, huh? I did, yeah. I um, I ended up going, well, my, my stepfather, who uh, adopted me when I was about five, he's English, and uh, I was sort of up to no good, about 18 years old, back home uh, from Interlochen Arts Academy, and trying to figure out what to do with myself because I'd been acting since I was 11 and I thought, you know, I just give it up, give it a break and see what happens. And I was driving around in my black Cadillac and uh, perhaps doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. But uh, my dad threw me on an airplane and said, go visit your grandmother. And then I, um, I went and watched uh, rehearsals for this play called Entertaining Strangers uh, mm-hmm. that was being directed at the National Theater by uh, Peter Hall. And uh, Peter Hall was an old friend of my father's and my family. And um, sort of went there for three weeks and watched rehearsals and just got thrown in the deep end of how, you know, British, great British theater is performed and rehearsed. Um, Judy Dench was in that play and Tim Piggott Smith. And uh, after about two weeks of that, um, Peter Hall's assistant said, would you be interested in studying here? And I thought, well, okay, you know, um, let me go check out what's available. Maybe I'll do a three-month course or maybe I'll do six months. So um, it was about two weeks before Lambda uh, started their, their, their course, their three-year course. And I auditioned for them thinking, you know, maybe I'll do a one-year overseas course. And Lambda was interested in me for doing the three years, three-year course. So I actually ended up going to London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art for three years and then I worked uh, in professional theater all around UK and in London for three years after that. So in total, I spent about seven years in, in London and England. Mm. Yeah, it's, this is really interesting because I actually uh, I actually studied theatre arts um, here in Manchester um, at Abraham Moss okay, College, cool. um, but I never really took it beyond uh, the the uh, BTEC National Diploma, which is kind of like um, it's kind of the equivalent. It's not a degree, but it's what comes before a border degree sort of thing. Um, but okay. I, I never took it any further I saw like I can't that's that's kind of what got me into writing and do, doing what I do now really <laughs> but, okay. um I I don't don't do plays anymore kind of miss it sometimes because there is a buzz about it but you know yeah for sure um I was looking through uh some of your uh acting credits you know the other day when 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 I was actually uh you know first first invited to uh talk to you and uh one film that kind of stood out for me that you that you you was in um is Malrats you know like the Kevin Smith I think it was Kevin Smith's second movie and and um I believe you were in the uh game show scene and I'm just wondering uh what was that night to work on? And, you know, with Kevin Smith, he was kind of like um, a new new director back, back then. So what was he like to work under as well? Yeah, that was amazing. Um, that was actually my pretty much my first professional film where I had a speaking role. I worked on a film called Little Odessa before that, which got me my SAG card, but I didn't say anything. And then uh, working on Morris was basically my first professional film, and I just had one day of shooting out in Minneapolis, and I decided to, you know, I figured, well, you know, I had to buy my own plane ticket because that was the that was the stipulation, you know, otherwise they were going to cast it locally, so they kept me and they said, you know, if you if you buy your ticket out there, we'll put you up. Uh, I said, well, hell, I'm staying for five days. I'm, you know, I'm going to hang around and learn everything I can learn. Um, I couldn't get enough. You know, I was just like soaking it all in and loving every minute of it. Um, I, you know, I got to watch all these guys do their bits. You know, Shannon Doherty and and uh, Ben Affleck messing around in an elevator. And um, I mean, I remember 
going into Shannon Doherty's dressing room and she was asking me if I wanted to smoke a joint and I, I, had, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know how to answer the question. Like, I mean, of course I've smoked a joint before, but I was like, uh, should I smoke a joint with Sharon Doherty or not? Uh, you know, like, uh, and so I ended up not and I regret it ever since. So, but, um, uh, you know, working with Kevin Smith was amazing. He, he was a very fresh director. Uh, I, I think what he knew more about then was writing uh, and not so much about directing. Uh, he was given $6 million to work on this, this new film that was his second film. And, you know, he followed his passion and he he, uh, he put up there what he wanted to put up there. But I'm not sure that at the time uh, the general public was ready for it. That's why it became sort of a sleeper hit because... It took a while to penetrate the, you know, the psyche of, of the world. Um, but you know, what a great project to work on! All these, all these guys just doing what they love and doing mm-hmm. crazy humor. I remember when I read that script to begin with, I was just dying laughing at, at, at everything that was happening. Um, you know, and I wanted to play. I wanted to play a larger role. There was a, you know, I wanted to play Jay, <laughs> but of course that was very <laughs> But. Uh, you know, I was very happy with what I got, and uh, um, super fun. You know, the funny thing is, it's like Kevin Smith and, and Scott Moser, they write about drugs and, you know, screwing up, but they are like two of the cleanest guys I've ever met. They don't do anything. They don't even drink. Like, I don't think I don't think Kevin even drinks. Like, so, you know, it's just a, a very interesting uh, dichotomy. It's, it's quite funny, um, you know, what you said about it being a sleeper hit, because I wasn't even aware of the film when it came out. Um, my first experience of Malrats was, it was New Year's Eve, I just turned 30, because it was my, you know, my birthday's New Year's Eve, <laughs> and, and it was, um, and it was on, it was on just as, just as, um, just as it's on, like, struck, uh, 2000, you know, it was kind of like, came on at something like five past midnight or something, um, I just celebrated my birthday and this film was on. I was kind of feeling a little bit depressed because I'd just reached 30. <laughs> my 20s were <laughs> over. And I, I thought I was doomed. And then I seen that movie and uh, I'd never laughed so hard in my life. You know, I was kind of like, uh, I, I was rolling around on the floor. Um, especially with the, um, you know, the, the line of dialogue, you know, what Jay, Jay has with, with his friend, uh, where, where they're talking about why, um, why, why Lois Lane would yeah. never be able to give birth to Superman's children. Yeah. And all that. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that film just yeah. made me feel like I was 20 again. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I can understand. Jay was quite a character. I still see him once in a while, but, uh, Boy, he came up with the most amazing things. Like that's like that's the way he talked. You know, he would just say the craziest shit, and uh, his the phrases that he would come up with. It'd just be like, and the way he would talk to girls. Like he would talk to girls. Like I don't know, he was the king of England, and he could say whatever the hell he wanted, and he would just make up these phrases, and they would just sort of fall at his feet. <laughs> Um, another thing I noticed, you know, you know, I noticed you got a writing credit and something called uh, Adventures of Jab, um, which is I'm not familiar with it. I'm just wondering if you'd mind t- talking a little bit about that and let us know what, what that's about. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, Adventures of Jab, really, I, I I wouldn't recommend anyone seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's one of them. But uh, 
it's that, uh, you know, sometimes when I'm bored, I just like to sort of fool around and, and write some stuff. And I, it was just a couple of years ago, and I was like, well, let's see if we can write something kind of wacky. And, um, you know, I'm going to practice writing, directing, and acting and something. That's really just a, uh, something for me to sharpen my teeth on, actually doing all three things at the same time, uh, acting in it, directing it, and writing it. Um, and so, you know, it's, a, it's out there. It's on YouTube or funny. It's, I think it's on Funny or Die as well. Um, but as a whole, the piece doesn't make any sense. Um, but, um, it, you know, it's just a fun little project that I made about uh, uh, some girls trying to save a little baby chicken, and uh, they're also in the Australian SAS at the same time, and, um, you know, it's uh, male against female, and, and who's, who's trying to win the battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's about it. You know, it's just a really fun experience to write and uh, direct and shoot, and we had no money, and we just sort of used to, we just tried to shoot whatever we could without getting permits, and, you know, when the cops would drive by, we'd hide the cameras and the sound equipment and act like we were just sort of walking around. Yes. It was a lot of fun. Sounds like my friend Matt. Um, I mean, uh, one, one of the things I've done over on the website and the uh, podcasting bit is uh, I was um, an executive producer on a web series. <laughs> And that, that was cool. written, written, directed, and by my my, my buddy Marts, and um, he he went um, all over Kentucky, filming different things for this uh, for this web series he was doing. It was sort of like uh, sounding like a really, really, really grand adventure <laughs> because they're up against the weather, and um, I don't I don't think they actually shot anywhere in Eagle though. <laughs> I, get, I think they're saving that you, one for season two. You don't think they shot anywhere what? what I, I, I don't think they shot anywhere um, where, where they had to uh, hide their cameras from police or anything like that. Oh, okay, okay. You know. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of freedom in shooting uh, web series because, you know, you're beholden to no one. <laughs> you know, you can do whatever you want and write about whatever you want and put it out there and you know if people see it they see it if they don't see it they don't see it mm-hmm. well you know this web series we done we, we did it's actually won a few awards um, so it's done okay oh, for you um, it's just not made as any money <laughs> that's, that's the only thing right <laughs> <laughs> you know um, everyone was working on it on spec and um, we, we're not really seeing anything from it so we're hoping we can do what's that. the name of it again um, it's called Reality on Demand. Reality on Demand. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll check that out. Um, well, it's it's kind of like a science fiction comedy drama sort of thing. It's a lot of fun. Um, your new film um, that you, that is coming out. Um, it's it's down as in post production on IMDb. I'm not sure how far into post production it is, but I think it's out next month, right? Yeah, it's finished. Um, we have a premiere sort of cast screening premiere here with a little bit of press on the 23rd. It's, um, it's also premiering at this hacker conference down in uh, Georgia on, I guess, the 19th of September. Um, and so, yeah, it's finished, it finished its post. Um, they went a long time to color correction and some re-editing and a lot of sound work. Um, but, yeah, it's, I think it actually opens in Germany, like, in a couple of days. Uh, the release is in Germany. Um, I'm not sure about UK when that's happening, but It'll be worldwide, uh, I guess, digitally and uh, DVD and on demand, but it opens statewide officially on November 1st. Okay, well, the, the uh, film's called Dragon Day, um, and from the trailer that I seen, it was like a proper exciting um, techno thriller. Um, I'm just wondering, um, you know, how, how did you how did you get involved with it? You know, as in, did, did you have to audition for it? And um, you know, I'm just wondering yeah. how, how it compares to some of the other things you've done. Yeah, well, um, 
there's so many different ways to get involved in a project, but this one was really the traditional way. Um, I, I went in for an audition for the lead role, and they kept calling me back. Um, and I remember, uh, it's, it's so funny, you know, when parts are right for me, um, sometimes I don't have to think too much about them or, or worry too much about them. You know, they just sort of seem to be an extension of me or something. Uh, you know, I just kept getting called back, and it just felt right. And then all of a sudden, I was down to, like, me and two other guys. And um, I think Jeffrey had already cast uh, his lead actress, and um, she was reading with me. That was Osa. And um, I had a feeling like, hmm, I think this is the actress in the project. <laughs> and so, you know, I was just creating a rapport with her and, um, and with Jeffrey, the director and the writer. And it just it worked, and I got the part, and um, it was very, very low budget. You know, they, they had no money to shoot the thing, and, uh, you know, we all got paid $100 a day. Uh, and uh, we shot it out in the middle of a tiny little town in uh, uh, countryside California near a mountain. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fantastic experience. Mm -hmm. Well, you played a lead character in it, um, who happens to be uh, an NSA specialist who's, um, I think you've, you've left a job or you're on holiday or something uh, in, as the movie starts. Um, um, what, what, can you, um, what, can, what can you actually tell us about your character um, beyond, beyond uh, him being an NSA specialist? Um, what was he specialising and stuff? Yeah, well, he, um, he got fired from his job, um, and it starts out, you not under, if the audience doesn't understand, he doesn't understand why he's fired from his job, and he's trying to get more work, you know, he's sort of a part-time code, uh, code writer for the NSA, he would, uh, he was working on this project, um, and he called it working on it, working in a sandbox, which I guess is like a protected way of working on code, and uh, seeing if the code will work, but uh, not having the code sort of leak out or jeopardize any other equipment. Um, so he got fired. I think he completed his work, and then he, he never got any more. He couldn't understand why they didn't hire him anymore. Um, and so this all happened during the uh, the financial meltdown 2008 2009, uh, and so he's having a hard time paying his rent. I mean his mortgage. And basically, bills start stacking up, and um, they lose their house. Uh, the family is going through turmoil, and in the meantime, his grandfather gives him this. His grandfather dies and leaves him this cabin in the woods. Um, the character Duke is uh, that I play, Duke Evans. And he's very much a family man. Uh, he's very loyal. He's very hardworking, um, and he's got strong morals and ethics. So. He's always trying to do the right thing, um, and so he's, you know, he figures that this is uh, this is the only thing that's left that he that can save his family. You know, they have no house anymore. Might as well move into this little house in the country, and that way maybe his wife can do some writing. Their their overhead won't be very high, and um, and they'll be able to you know lead a happier life. And when they get there, they're being sort of squatted in by this Mexican guy. And uh, so that brings in this whole sort of illegal alien Mexican aspect to the film. And then all of a sudden Duke is confronted with this person who's squatting in his house. And he's like, you know, get out. You know, he wants, wants him out. Um, what happens is this Mexican character who's played by uh, this great actor named Alonso Benavides. Uh, or I'm sorry, his name's uh, Eloy Mendez, but his character's name is Alonso. Um, uh, he basically ends up almost saving the family, Eloy, the character Alonso basically ends up saving the family. So 
by the government, um, and as it turns out, it's, uh, it's the government and the leaks in the NSA, the corruption in the NSA that has sold out uh, sold out the country to China, basically, and, and allowed China to infiltrate uh, U.S. infrastructure through this. Well, I can't get that away. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but they, 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 they've allowed China in through this back door, so to speak, and yeah. China shuts down America. Yeah, that that that's um, you know in the in the uh, in the trailer, it's pretty much apparent that it's a a big cyber attack from from China, hence the title Dragon Day, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Don't make, um, did, did, there seems to be, from what I've seen, there's quite quite a lot of action in in the film. Um, how did you uh, prepare for some of the physical demands of the film? Um, well, I try to work out and run about three to five times a week. Uh, so it was just keeping in shape and, uh, you know, we'd shoot at all hours of the day. I'd make sure that I had a good run before we started shooting every day. And it was, sometimes it was a bit tough because I, I live at zero elevation and we were shooting, I think, at 7,000 feet. So I'd be a little out of breath. But, you know, that's, that's it, basically. Mm-hmm. Keep strong. Yeah, I noticed another credit on your um, on your thing. You actually played one of the uh, market traders in, um, in, in Die Hard 4. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember, um, I you know, I was in a play years and years ago, um, and it won 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 some awards, and uh, we took it on the Granada stage in Manchester, and it was filmed for the uh, Granada Arts Program Celebration. We actually adapted the play for television, and um, 
you know, I spent uh, a good couple of af- uh, you know couple, couple of hours working on this uh, elaborate little dance routine that we actually had in the thing, and in the final edit, they cut it out. <laughs> so. Uh, I'm only like, I'm only like in one scene, whereas in in the script I was actually in two. So, <laughs> so it happens. <laughs> yeah, it happens. I I had all these experiences here, you know, <laughs> that that kind of like put me off being an actor. <laughs> um, um, I've got a, an interesting, fun hypothetical question for you here, but um, you know, if America were ever to be be under cyber attack, um, like 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 the one in Dragon Day, uh, how do you think you would actually cope with it? And uh, what what do you think your first priority would be beyond making sure your friends and family were safe? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to elaborate a little bit to begin with. Um, out here in California, we're always concerned about earthquakes and earthquake preparedness. So, you know, you've got to have a lot of water, a lot of food. And um, I, uh, after doing Dragon Day, uh, I realized that, if, you know, I, look, some people will look at it and be like, oh, that would never happen. No, come on. But um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a pretty firm believer that it's a, a strong possibility that it will happen because, you know, it may not be China. Who knows who it'll be or why it will happen. But more and more every day, our worlds are run by, by electronics and by electronic communication. And when everything is run that way, well, everything can be shut down that way as well. And, you know, our whole life can revert to having to exist like it was 200 years ago, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But when you're not prepared for it, chaos ensues and society will collapse upon itself. And so, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I like to be prepared. I have to say that since shooting this film, I've, I've definitely, I would like to think of myself as a little bit more prepared um, for something, for some sort of disaster that might happen. And, and if it did, you know, the first thing I would do would get the hell out of Dodge. I would leave the city. Uh, I'd leave the city and I, I would go into high, high country. And I just, the problem is I don't know where. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm considering buying a motorcycle just because if there is ever a disaster that strikes, biological or, you know, communications infrastructure, that you're not going to get out of the city in a car because everybody else is going to be trying to get out of the car. So, uh, you know, I, I, I still have some planning to do and, you know, I don't want to sound like, uh, I've got a basement filled with weapons or anything, but, you know, <laughs> I, I want to be prepared for, <laughs> Or to be prepared for something like that, uh, because it's really quite frightening. You know, when you think about it, when society is, when there's no water and there's no food, you know, humans get nasty, and I don't want to be around nastiness when it happens. Uh, yeah, I would, I would get the hell out as far away into the country as possible. As possible. Yeah, I think, I think I'd actually, I'm thinking I'm going to actually start working on my underground bunker right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, you know, build, build build myself a subterranean home somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well protected. Yeah. Um, I've noticed, uh, you know, you've, you've done done quite a few shots and um, you, you've done quite a few things that, you know, a couple of things that you could, you know, you could call science fiction. Um, are you are you mm-hmm. actually a fan of the science fiction genre? And, and if you are, what, what do you think? Uh, what, what's, yeah. the, what's the appeal? Uh, yeah, I love sci-fi. Um, uh, of course, I love really good sci-fi, but uh, and there is some bad sci-fi. But um, I, I adore it. It's, it's such an amazing genre because uh, I, I'm a firm believer in that whatever the human mind can 
imagine is going to be one day possible. Uh, and that is, there's just no doubt in my mind about that. I love how, you know, ideas a hundred years ago have come into play as reality now. And I just see it as, as a continuation. Um, of course, my sort of some of my favorite my favorite shows are like Battlestar Galactica, the newer version, and uh, uh, you know I love the film Sunshine. And uh, hang on just a second. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of sci-fi. Um, I love uh, I love I mean I don't know if you can call Game of Thrones sci-fi, but it, it has a sci-fi streak to it. Um, uh, well, what other Caprica, love Caprica, you know the new Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, there's just there's just something amazing about being able to tell the story that's never been told before in a way that's never been told before with with getting your imagination wrapped around futuristic concepts, futuristic uh, objects, and you know, like film uh, Another Earth. Remember, I don't know if you ever saw this film Another Earth. It was a very low budget uh, film about. But they're actually being a duplicate copy of Earth, and everybody on the Earth was duplicated in this other planet. And it's a very interesting science fiction film uh, because it was made on a very, very low budget, uh, but still, like, believably sci-fi. Mm. Well, I've noticed, um, and this is maybe just me, but I've noticed that quite a lot of the uh, quite a lot of good sci-fi stuff um, is actually made on on a low budget. You know, especially you know when you talk about stuff that sure. came out in the seventies and, and before. Yeah, and I, I think what I think what having no money does is it makes you really well when you're using your imagination and you're writing well when the writing is good you don't actually need too many tricks you just you really are just telling a story so yeah good sci-fi is it starts with the writing mm-hmm. okay well um, I, I'd like to thank you for your time Ethan it's been great speaking to you the, um, I wish you the best of what we Dragon Day um, can't wait to see the film myself actually you know, because it kind of sounds like my sort of thing cool. Thanks, Ian. I really appreciate it. It was nice talking to you. Nice getting to know you. Oh, cool. Well, be, you know, hopefully, um, if you have any other projects coming along, we can sort of do this again. Yeah. Oh, there's one fun thing I'm working on I'd like to tell you about. It's uh, coming on IFC, which I don't know if they have that in the... Are you based in the UK? I'm based in Manchester here in the UK, yeah. Manchester, okay. Yeah, I don't know if you have... Um, I don't know if you have IFC over there, but it's Independent Film Channel, and they have that here in the States, and there's a... I'm sure you'll get it in some form over there, but uh, I did a really fun project with Toby McGuire and, and uh, Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig and a bunch of other stars, and that's called uh, The Spoils of Babylon, and that's totally wacky and really, really fun, and that's coming out in 2014. Cool. I'll keep my eyes out for that, and um, and hopefully we can touch base again, you know, um, some sometime next year when you're working on um, a big Hollywood tentpole movie. That sounds great, Ian. Will do. <laughs> okay. I never thought I'd see America like this. We can't stay here. And we can't leave. Think that this country's multi-trillion dollar debt was just gonna go away? This is the Emperor. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Eat it. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Join us, your hosts, Miles P. McLaughlin and Scott Herzog, as we serve up a delightful menu of science fiction interviews and news in the television movie, DVD, and book world. Test your geek cred with trivia. Top off your meal with the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Come visit the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at scifidinerpodcast.com or subscribe to us in iTunes. We're serving up Sci-Fi from here to the end of the universe. Sci-Fi Diner. 
Hi, this is Tom O'Pennikid, and you're listening to the SFP Now podcast. And that about wraps things up for this week. Um, and we've got an interview next week with, a, with, with an actress by the name of uh, Sadie Katz, who's an um, actress and producer. Uh, she's got quite a few um, horror projects under her belt and quite quite a few that are coming out, which she talks about. Um, and, you know, she, she's, um, she's, she's actually got, you know, got quite an interesting background in, 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 in so far as, uh, she, she, she's worked, she, she's worked quite a bit, uh, in production as well. And, um, she actually worked, um, for, for, um, Battlestar Galactica and Knight Rider creator, Gnane Arson. So we'll be running that one next week. And, um, and, and obviously, um, over the coming weeks, we'll have, uh, more great content for you. Uh, so thanks for listening. Um, don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for uh, for Genre Entertainment uh, with Marts and Junie Pyle. Uh, they they always have some some really good stuff. Um, you know, for, for you to listen to. Um, we're we're hoping to um, you know actually all pull together like we like we have in previous years and and do our usual annual Halloween shows and. Um, and Christmas shows, and, and hopefully we'll be able to get Sean um, back for one of those. Um, you know, so because I've not spoke to Sean in years, and it's always fun having him on the show. Um, but that's it for now. Um, until next week, goodbye. We offer the world order.